everybody. Good morning. Are we ready to worship together? Excellent. As you're able, stand with us, church. We're going to start by welcoming the Spirit into our hearts, into the space. We invite you to join us, all right? thoughts that I felt very led to share with you this morning. We're going to take a second to just talk about 
worship, okay? Something that I feel Northview does really, really well is advocate for worshiping as a part of our daily lives, living out a life of worship, right? That's great. But what I want to talk about this morning is specific to corporate worship. Sunday morning, what we do when we come together and sing together and the importance and what can happen when we do that, okay? So singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God and to each other, it commands us to do this in both Ephesians and Colossians. But apart from worship, I want to talk about singing for just a second. Outside of the context of worship, we can find scientific research that proves that singing improves your mood. It's a natural stress reliever. It improves sleep. It releases pain-relieving endorphins into our brains. It can improve our posture. It strengthens our immune system by releasing immunoglobin A proteins in our body. Getting very scientific, right? But it's amazing what it can do. It aids in brain function and brain development. It, there's proof that it helps people with Alzheimer's disease. All these are just a few of many fascinating things that you can research the benefits to simply singing, okay? So now let's combine singing with heartfelt worship. Now that in and of itself is important. Worship, true worship should come from our heart. And there are about 50 exhortations to sing in scripture, simply telling us to sing. There are over 400 references just simply to singing also throughout the scripture, okay? Now, don't you think that a creator God from whom all blessings flow, from whom all good things flow, knows the benefits to singing? He created it, right? What a beautiful gift God gave us. If we only sing, we can have all these amazing things happen within our bodies, within our spirits, within our souls. It's a gift from God. Combined with worship, Singing can help us remember truths of scripture in ways that nothing else can. It engages us on an emotional level. Psalm 71 says, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you and my soul also, which you have redeemed. Singing reflects the nature of God. Zephaniah 3.17 says that the Father sings over the redeemed. And then in Hebrews 2, it says Jesus himself sings with us in the midst of the congregation. Singing together reflects and deepens our unity as the body of Christ together as we sing about the gospel, about God's truths. So as we sing these next couple of songs, I just want to invite you to come together as one body in proclaiming truths and exalting the name of God who is sovereign above us and humbling ourselves before God. Church, singing is important and we are called to sing. So I want to invite you Become a part of the sound this morning. It's not about us here on the stage, okay? It is a chance for all of us to join in unity and sing before God, our maker. Will you join us this morning as we sing to the Lord? That was almost there. Will you join us as we sing this morning? Okay, then. Hallelujah, my weapon. 
do we meditate on that beautiful name of Jesus through which we can receive salvation. It is a beautiful name. Lord, we know that there's power in that name, that spiritual warfare is real, and that all we need to do is call upon the name of Jesus, and we can and will be saved, and we thank you for that promise. I give you thanks that we have the ability to join our voices in song, to bless you, to unite as your body. It's just an extraordinary experience, God. Let us not take that lightly when we come together on Sunday mornings. We just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for who you are. And we give you all the praise and all of the glory this morning. And all God's children this morning join us in saying, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning to those of you that are here at Northview. Hello to those that are online. Fall's here. A little cold, a little wet this morning, but that's all right. That The rain is good. Hey, we are super excited. I don't care what the weather's doing outside. There's good things happening here at Northview. We've got a lot of stuff coming up this fall. Uh, we're looking even to stuff that's happening next summer. We want to tell you about some of those things this morning. Do, do you want to talk about what's coming up? Am I first? I am first. You're probably wondering, why is she still on stage? She's talked enough today. So I have a very exciting announcement. Believe it or not, it's October, which means in my world, Christmas is like tomorrow, okay? So we are doing something really awesome this year in place of, usually we do a choir around Christmas time, but this year is a little different. So we are going to attempt to do another virtual choir. Those of you who worship with us, with us on um, Easter saw the first virtual choir. This is a picture from that. It was an amazing experience, both for the people involved as well as the people who got to witness it. That video got shared all across the country and it blessed so many souls. So we are going to do another virtual choir and you are all very much invited to participate. Something like this takes numbers, okay? So I want you to consider joining us this Christmas in our virtual choir. On our website, inview.org, there is a link. You click it and you register. You have three weeks to register so that I can see who I'm working with, can we pull this off, but it's gonna be an amazing opportunity. Anybody joining us online, if you're watching, you can also participate, okay? There will be a way for you to either record on your own at home, if electronic devices scare you, I will be offering a way for you to come here and sign up and I will record it for you. So we have a couple different ways in which to pull this off, okay? But I really want you to prayerfully consider youth age, kids, if you think you could pull it off, any age, you are welcome to consider participating, okay? So you have three weeks, registration is open now. I really hope to see a lot of you join us to make this Christmas Eve service extra special this year. I think that's all. Awesome, thank you, Esther. How can you say no to enthusiasm like that, right? Christmas is coming. It's awesome. Hey, we have some other things that are happening uh, a, a little bit sooner than Christmas. We wanted to put a couple pictures up here. So last Sunday, uh, Awana started. Kayla and her team set up the auditorium, the lobby. They had a snow cone truck outside uh, so that families could come and grab their Awana kits to be able to do Awana at home. And it's important. We, one of the reasons we want to show you this is I think unless you have kids in elementary school, you have no idea what happens in Awana. It's an incredible program uh, that we run here. Heading into the fall, Kayla, understandably, was a little bit hesitant, didn't know how many kids would, would sign up to do Awana at home. Uh, and there's somewhere upwards of 75 kids that have said, hey, I want to do this, and I'm going I'm to memorize scripture, I'm going to engage it. And parents, the cool thing is, 
there's a little bit more on you now. You get to help them on a daily basis with that. So as a family, you're really getting to walk through the Bible. So we wanted to show you that so you guys could see what's going on. Be praying for Awana. It's super exciting. Uh, they're at home taking off. So stay tuned. We'll have more information for you in the coming months with that. A couple other things that are happening. On the 31st, you can call it whatever day you want to, the day of free candy, whatever you want to do. But we're going to do right up here in the parking lot. We want to provide something for kids. Kids have had a lot taken away from them uh, this year. We want to provide something, bring us together safe and fun. And so we're going to do Northview's first ever uh, trunk or treat. Now, you might be thinking, what? What does that mean? Well, you can see the picture up there. You can sign up online and you can say, hey, I'm going to decorate the trunk of my car, something cool, something fun, something crazy. I'm going to bring it here. I'm going to park, and then the kids are going to be able to come along. Uh, we can hand out candy. We can have fun together outside and really just enjoy a couple hours together this fall. So you can sign up for that online. I want to encourage you to. Amanda and I are we're trying to contemplate what we're going to do our trunk as. Something in my heart is telling me it's got to be something Chick-fil-A oriented. We'll see what happens. Uh, but we'd love to see you and love to hang out with you. Uh, but please sign up. And not that it should be a motivator, but it's maybe a motivator for us. There is going to be a prize for the best trunk. All right? That's all I'm going to say about that. But we'd love to see you there on the 31st, 4 to 6 o'clock. We want to say thank you to, to you guys. Last week we threw up this slide and we said, hey, we're looking for help in some areas as we're getting fall back underway and there's things happening number of you stepped forward, especially for the uh, custodial team, and said, hey, I would love to do that. Put me on. I, I want to learn how to do it. I want to help take care of this place. I want to be able to keep it clean for everybody. And it just was absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for doing that. We want to just also remind you a few of the other ways if you're looking to serve. Uh, it doesn't need to be on a weekly basis. It could be on a monthly or a quarterly or a once-a-year basis. Even with like something communion set up, coming in midweek, your community group could say, hey, we'll come in during the week and we'll prep communion for the coming Sunday, for the first Sunday of the month. Or, hey, our community group will come between services and make sure the auditorium is set up for things like that. Whether it's greeting or helping out in kids, there's ways to help out. We want to encourage you. This is not just so that we can look and see like, man, what a, what a big group of volunteers Northview has. We must be really cool. But it's an opportunity for you to be able to give back and be able to be part of something else. And to those of you that serve, thank you. We appreciate it. We could not do anything without you, and we'd love to have you join us. Uh, and for those of you that have wanted to hold Jackson, who just turned nine weeks old, sign up to help in kids' ministry. It's probably your best way that it's going to happen. Uh, but it might be a motivator. It might be. Uh, something else that's happening today. So I, I am moving forward. I'm working with two other churches to plan a Mexico mission trip next July for high school students. We're, we're trusting in the Lord. We're going to be obedient to where, if it's Mexico or somewhere else, but we're starting to put the pieces together. And one of the things that comes with that is being able to host an informational interview, or meeting for families and students that are interested in the trip and want to learn more. And the first one uh, is today, right after service, in this room or on Zoom. So whether you're here and feel comfortable coming back or you're at home and say, hey, We'd really rather just join online. It makes us feel a little bit more comfortable right now. We'd love to have you join and hear as I share more about what this trip is going to be. What are some of the details of it, including what are we going to do if 2021 follows the same trend as 2020? We can share some of that stuff there. But that's happening at noon. You can come back in here. And for high school students that are interested in joining the trip, that's when applications are going to be first available is this afternoon. 
We have another meeting next Sunday at 4 o'clock, trying to play a couple different times. But if you're interested, if you're a student says, I want to go on a mission trip, if you're a parent saying, I want to learn more, if you're saying, hey, I want to learn how I can financially or prayerfully support this trip, or if you're just curious and learning more, or if you want to throw your name in as I have to recruit some leaders to come with me, whatever category you fall into, love to share more about it with you. If you want to join on Zoom, you can message either myself or any of the student ministry channels, or you can email me, robh at nview.org, and I will send out the Zoom information before that meeting. All right? Would love to see you there if you're interested. I'm going to pray for us this morning. As always, if you want to drop a financial donation, there's the boxes by the doors, or you can head online or or mail it in. Thank you guys, as always, for your generosity and your faithful giving uh, during this time. Let's go before the Lord. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Lord, each week I'm humbled that we have a place to join together as your body and that we get to come together and that people are connecting either online or in person. Thank you for allowing us to engage in ministry on your behalf, Lord. May Northview impact our community, our hearts, our neighborhoods this fall. Thank you to those that give, Lord. Be with us this morning in your son's name. Amen. Steve, come on up. Middle school students, follow your main man, Zebedee, right out the side door. While they're wandering out, grab your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to wrap up that chapter this morning, so that'll be exciting. Good morning. I thought, man, it's chilly out. I should have wore a sweater or something. Like it falls back, right? Oh, it's interesting. As we, uh, I thought the worship was great this morning. It really set us up well. And as we think of Jesus, uh, our Lord and Savior, and think about his kingdom, and uh, then us as the bride, the church, right? Uh, we've been emphasizing some things that are important as we move through the fall. And I've been saying that what our focus for the fall needs to be are these four things. I said, number one, that we need to be steadfast. That means just stay steady. It means in the word. That means praying. That means just keeping, leaning in towards the Lord and, and moving towards him. Number two, we need to maintain unity, right? That's easily fractured uh, these days. Number three, we need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And we're, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And then number four, we need to love each other deeply. And uh, that's a process that we all grow in. So this morning, we're going to look at the third emphasis, uh, number three, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. So Paul starts this next section in Philippians with these words. Philippians 1, verse 27, if you're tracking with me, says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Could stop right there, right? Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That is an incredibly cool couple verses right there. A manner worthy of the Lord means I live my life in such a way that it is honoring to the Lord. And it reflects, I think, thankfulness. I think it reflects gratefulness, right, what, for what Jesus has done for me. And it also recognizes that he himself, Jesus, when he came, he modeled it for us. In other words, he showed us what it looked like. And so we, we don't have to flounder because we have an example to look like. And um, 
Notice also, I think that walking in a manner worthy of the Lord has huge implications when it comes to unity. It's hard to be united if I'm walking in, ma- in ways not worthy of the Lord or the gospel. That's when contention and confusion and strife uh, start to kick up. Paul said they were to stand firm in one spirit. Notice that's another word for steadfastness, right? And one mind striving side by side, that's unity for the faith of the gospel. So those two words we've been talking about are incorporated in these verses here. So obviously, we'll need the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to invite you this morning here and uh, online. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and know that uh, true unity, true steadfastness is not in us that it really comes from you. It comes from the coaching of your Holy Spirit, things that we have learned over the years as you have, I might add, very patiently worked with us. You've been very kind. You've been very forgiving. And as we look at this, Lord, uh, help us today. May there just be one or two things that really stand out and catch uh, every person in the room's attention. They may not be the same thing for each person, but may you highlight something that they walk out and go, that was a real nugget from you. And we seek you for that in your name. Amen. All right. Well, this, um, so if we're looking at these verses here, this is telling us to walk in a manner. So what might be helpful is what that doesn't look like. All right. So if you take your Bibles or your phone and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 17, let's look at what, It's not supposed to look like. That's kind of helpful. Sometimes you can do the contrast. So it says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So it's talking about a group of people in their day and age that did not know God and were full of idolatry, full of superstitions, full of all kinds of things. And Paul's saying, this is the way not to do this. It said to no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to, and what does it say here? The hardness of the heart. Uh, Our hearts can be hard too, right? We can wall off to the Lord. We can go, I want to talk to you right now. And it's saying that's not the way to operate. It says they become callous and if they've, they've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Sensuality, usually we think of it as sexual, but really it's operating on the level of the senses, right? Anything that I can taste, touch, feel, hear, see, that, that is what's real. Anything outside of that isn't real. So I'm going to operate on what I can verify instead of letting God tell me what uh, is true or what is real. It says that they're darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God. Why? Well, because ignorance. What are they ignorant of? They're ignorant of the word. Uh, in, in our church, we've worked really hard. I've worked to promote really hard. Read the Bible for yourself. Don't take other people's words for it. Read it for yourself. When they train bank tellers, do you know how they train them? They train them with real money. And if you've ever been a bank teller, you know this. They train you with real money. You feel it, you bend it, you sniff it, you do all this stuff. Because if you get familiar with what's true and real, you will sense something wrong when something fake or counterfeit comes across. 
And this is a great, great illustration, I think, for us right now, because right now, um, you know, with the internet, right, we have access to all kinds of things. And have you ever gone on YouTube or something like that and, and watched something and go, I wonder what the source of that is? Where did that come from? What are they, you know, and you have to check back in and find out and go, whoa, wait a minute, I can't, that's... And so if you're in the Word on a daily basis and you're reading, you're keeping your antenna up. You're keeping sharp. You're keeping alert. You're like, and, and because you know what it actually says, when something fake comes across, bing, 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 right? The antenna go off and you, your spirit is alerted. Wait a minute. There's something right about that, but there's something wrong about that. You ever run into one of those, right? Like, ah. And so that's what this is talking about. They have just walked away from God and his word. The Bible would call that rebellion or iniquity. Uh, and basically, if you say uh, in, iniquity, many of us don't know what that word means. Isaiah says, our iniquities have separated us from our God. What's iniquity? Here's iniquity in English. Really easy definition. Uh, kids, you can understand this. Iniquity is this. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I don't care who tells me I can't. I don't care if my teacher tells me I can't. I don't care if my boss tells me I can't. I don't care if a police officer tells me I can't. I don't care if my parents tell me I can't. I don't care if God himself tells me I can't. I'm going to do it anyways. That's iniquity. That's the spirit of rebellion. That's uh, what the Bible talks about in our world. And what the Bible says is that the life of the spirit is really quite different from this. If you look at verses 20 to 24, it says this, but that is not the way you learned Christ. In other words, when you came to know Jesus, when you got saved, that is not how you learned him. Go back to what you remember. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through, what's the term here? Deceitful desires. In other words, desires that lie to you, that woo you, that sticky sweet, you need this, num, 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 right? It says it's a trap. It's designed to kill you. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So in other words, we're to take off the old man and put on the new man. Uh, Paul uh, uses these two categories to help us when it comes to understanding what it means like to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And um, so he calls it the old man and the new man. In Galatians, he'll use uh, the flesh and the spirit. Uh, this pattern is repeated in Colossians 3. If you want to compare those from Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, they're, they're comparable. Um, so if we walk, if we were to walk in a manner of the word of the Lord, we should examine the lists that are contained, uh, that Paul talks about in Philippians, that he talks about in Ephesians, that he talks about in Colossians, and look at what he says to do and what not to do. Because they help us accurately identify whether we're walking or not, whether we're walking in the spirit or not, towards him, uh, towards Jesus, or away from him. So I broke it down for us. This isn't all-encompassing, but there's enough here. If you don't get shot in this, you're an amazing Christian, all right? So let's, let's take a look at this together. Let's contrast the old man and the new so we know what we're talking about. 
If you look at the categories, the first thing that comes up, the old man is pride. The old man is full of pride. The new man walking in the spirit is a spirit of humility, right? We have said this, we've taught this. Uh, uh, for God, um, I forgot my own verse here, uh, is opposed to the proud man, but gives grace to the humble. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's a universal principle, right? You find it in Peter, you find it in James, you find it in Proverbs, you find it all through Scripture. Uh, and you see in Scripture a lot of stories of proud people and humble people, right? And you see the outcomes of that. Scripture says if you're operating the old man, you operate in pride. If you're operating new, new man, you're humility. Another picture, old man, sexual immorality, right? Any kind, way, shape, or form. Uh, it used to be, 30 years ago, the battle over premarital sex or not. Well, we've blown through that category, and we've, we've gone way down the trail on that one. If you're walking in the Spirit, it's, you operate in sexual purity. That means both with your actions and in your thoughts, in your head. If you're operating in the old man, you, you tend to lie. Right? Lying is a form of the old man. If you are walking in the Spirit, you tell the truth. Right? We've said that truth is the language of heaven, that God is the Spirit of truth, that truth comes from God. And we've said that lying is the language of hell, and that's where that comes from, that Satan is the initiator or the creator of lies as we know it on our planet. He's the father of lies, and when he lies, he speaks his native language. And so we, you want to move away from lying because it's completely antithetical to the kingdom of God. If I'm in the old man, I tend to set my mind on things down here. What am I going to get? What am I going to get? What am I going to get? What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? If I'm operating in the new man, I'm going to set my mind on things above. I'm going to set my mind on the kingdom. I'm going to set my mind on the stuff that God wants and realize that that is the true target and eternal, not the stuff. Uh, if I'm in the old man, there's a whole list of things here, but anger, wrath, slander, and malice will suffice, right? You can put bitterness and rage. There's a bunch more in those lists, but that will suffice, uh, right? I'm just venting, and it doesn't take much. If you bump me, it comes spilling out, bleh, right? And uh, you have probably verbally vomited on people sometime in your life, and others have probably verbally vomited on you because the flesh nature is the same in all of us. If I'm operating in the Spirit, <clears throat> I'm going to love my neighbor. That sounds easy to do till you try. But that's a thing of the Spirit. If I'm the old man, I have a hard heart. If I'm in the new man, I have a compassionate heart. If I'm in the old man, I hold grudges. Okay. Nobody in here would do that. Only the people online. No, I'm right. No. Sorry, guys. <laughs> got to keep you connected here, right? Holding grudges, is that a universal thing or what, right? That is a thing of the old man of the flesh. If I'm in the new man, I extend forgiveness. I forgive from my heart. Let's go on to another page. If I'm in the old man, I am impatient. I wanted it yesterday. If I'm in the new man, I am patient, right? Any of you ever pray for patience and then God school you on that? Right? We think we're patient until we need something. Right? Patience is a thing of the Spirit. By the way, patience is one of the wonderful, wonderful 
kind attributes of God towards us. Thank God he has been patient with us. Amen, anybody? Amen. Yeah. Uh, if I'm in the old man, I covet. I want what I got and I want what you got. And you, and you, and you, and I'll take it all. Right? If I'm operating in the spirit, I'm content. It's all right. I got Jesus. That's enough. We can go from there. If I'm operating in the old man, I'm complaining and grumbling. This is a big one. The spirit of complaining and grumbling. Took my spot on the road. Took my place in the line at the grocery. Took my place. Right? Grumbling and complaining. If you look this up in Scripture, we don't have time to do it this morning, but it irritates God to no end. All right? That's why he let Israel die in the desert, because they grumbled and complained against him for 40 years. He said, I've had it. Enough. I'm done. You don't want to come into the promised land? Then you can stay in the desert. All right? The opposite of that is prayer. Right? If I have a right spirit, I have a little spirit, I will pray about the things that are really irritating me, and I'll take them to the Lord. If I'm operating in the old man, uh, I will tend to have discord. Discord is, any of you musicians in here? A couple of you guys on the front, but the rest of us are musicians too. Uh, up in my uh, office, I have my guitar and banjo, which are woefully dusty because I haven't played them for a while. But, um, and stop shaking your head. And <laughs> my life's full. And, uh, but if you go in there, they're in tune, like, fortunately. But if you go in there and, and you take one of the pegs and you go wank to one of the strings on, say, the banjo or guitar, it throws the whole thing out of tune, right? And if I say, well, I don't care if you tweak the peg on that, I'm going to play it anyways. Yeah, here we go, right? If I start playing, the one out of tune does what to the rest? Throws the whole thing off. In musical language, we call that being discordant, right? Uh, out of tune, out of whack. That is what is symbolic of our relationships. We are kind of out of tune half the time if we're operating in the flesh. If I'm operating in the spirit, then we have peace. It's in tune, right? It's synchronized. We're simpatico. We're together. We're working. Uh, if I'm in the old man, we have dissensions, disagreements. We're not on the same page anymore. If we're in the new man, we have harmony. If I'm in the old man, we break into factions, is that true of our country right now or what? There are so many factions on so many different levels, it's hard to believe we're even a country, right? Hard to find anything we can unite around. Can't even unite around the flag, for Pete's sakes. I mean, it has really gotten fractious, okay? We are the Hatfields and the McCoys all over again. Hey, if I'm in the new man in the spirit, we have unity. Unity comes from God. If I'm in the old man, I'm in rebellion. And if I'm in the new man, I'm in submission. All right, now I did that just so you could bounce against those. You might have found yourself in one of those lists there. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord is to embrace the right side of the diagram. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to develop character. Right, And character is... Little decisions made in a right way over a long period of time. Little decisions made in a right way over a long period of time. And not just character, but holiness. 
It develops that in us. Now, when it comes to this, usually our intentions are good. We mean well. But our execution of those ideas usually doesn't go so well. <laughs> Any of you sputter and spurt and well, it's anything but a straight line, right? Okay? We falter. We stumble. We find it difficult. We choose wrongly. Deceitful desires is what Paul talked about. And deceitful desires ensnare and they entangle us. We get all, just like if you were to walk into a whole batch of blackberry bushes and try to get out through the other side, right? They can grab you. Why is this so hard? Well, Paul gives us the reason in Galatians. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, or they're contrary to each other, or they're in opposition to each other. All right? to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, what that's saying is if I do what the Spirit tells me to do, then I'm not under the law anymore. Don't need a law because I'm following the Holy Spirit. But there's this battle and there's this war. And where does that war take place? The war takes place inside of us. Inside of you, inside of me, inside of people watching online, inside of all of us. Every week, every day, every hour, that battle is going on. And depending on how we handle that battle really determines the spirit of our homes and the spirit at work and the spirit at church when we come and gather. Because after all, we are a culmination of everything that's gone on during the week when we gather, as Esther was talking about this morning, for corporate worship. It's really hard to corporately worship with your heart if you have been in the old man all week. Okay? It just doesn't work. You, right? There's this hiccup. There's this, I feel like a fake. I feel like a fraud. And that's because you indulged in the flesh during the week, and it's really hard to just kick from zero to 100 and go into the spirit. There's a battle for supremacy in our hearts. And the Bible calls this battle the sanctification process. Let's look at this again. We've covered this before, but I think it fits in so well. There's a, on the screen you'll see a continuum. And uh, as you look at the continuum, uh, if you take the Bible or especially the New Testament, there are some big categories that uh, you can discern out of that. If you've taken the chance to read through the New Testament, uh, on one side you would have obey, and on the opposite end of the spectrum would be disobey, right? That's pretty familiar. On one side you would have light, on the other side you would have darkness. So I'm either walking in the light, John is big on this theme, right? Jesus came as the light, and uh, the darkness couldn't comprehend him. On one side is life, and on the other side is death, right? So again, big pictures in the scripture. On one side is repentance, on the other side is hardness of heart. So we know those. And so when we're lost and then Jesus finds us and we get saved, we get saved. And when we get saved, the Bible says that God gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit in our heart. Okay? It's not talking about we get part of the Holy Spirit. It says we get 
the Holy Spirit as a deposit. In other words, he comes into our heart. This is a, a line. The Holy Spirit is not a line, but he draws a line on our heart and he says, all right, anything underneath that line, you can't do anymore. That's off limits now. Now, don't worry about all the stuff above the line just yet. We'll get to that. But for right now, we're fine with where we are. If you obey me and you just listen to my voice and what I'm saying, don't do that stuff under the line anymore and we'll get to the other stuff later, all right? And how do we know this? Because if you read uh, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our, in our translation it says debts, but in the old translation, what did it say? Trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. All right? So this issue of trespassing, what's trespassing? I crossed the line. Right? So if I'm in a relationship with God and I'm operating the Spirit, but a deceitful desire comes along, and that deceitful desire is on the bottom side of the line, I've got to do something to go when I cross that line. It's called trespassing or what? Sin. Right? I'm missing the mark. I'm no longer lined up. I'm no longer in unity with the Spirit. I'm now violating because I have crossed the line. Now, what do I have to do to get right? Well, what I have to do to get right is I have to repent. And repent means not just feel sorry for what I did, but agree with God with what's wrong and get back on the right side of the line. This would be, I've used this illustration, if you're driving and let's say you want to go to Vancouver and you get in your car and you drive down and all of a sudden you're in Chehalis. And you go, oh, Vancouver, B.C., not Vancouver, Washington. Duh. All right, at that second that you realize you were going in the wrong direction, what would you have to do? Well, you would have to probably pull off at the next intersection, right? Uh, exit ramp on the freeway. And probably go to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee. Why? Because now you not only have to make up all the distance you just went the wrong way, but you have to make up the original distance from Seattle to Vancouver, B.C. Would it make any sense? Now, that's a bummer, right? Well, almost all of us instinctively feel that. Why should I repent? It's not going to get in. It's so hard to get back. Does it make any sense to say, well, the heck with it. I'll just keep driving and hope we hit it. Will that work? Okay, that's what we do when we say, well, yeah, I blew it, but I'm not going to turn back. I hope I'll run into Jesus as I keep going this way. That, that's not working. What the Bible calls repentance means you've got to turn. You've got to turn back to him. You've got to come back to him, all right? Now, later on, God, being a relational person and wanting to be in relationship, he does something that all relationships do. He backs up the line. Right? He, he says, we're going to grow now. Remember that line was here, but now we're going to move the line way up to here. And God is brilliant and smart and knows you really well. And he moves that line just past one or two things you still want to hold on to. And you're like, ugh, but I wasn't done with those yet. Oh, well, yes, you are. <laughs> well, let's have a little chat about that. You can't do that any longer. That was okay for back here, but we've moved to here now. Right? This is a trust issue. We've got we to gotta hang in here together. Now, if I jump across that line and grab that thing, what's that called? It's called sin, right? Same as before. If, if I want to get right with God, what do I have to do? 
I have to go back across the line. Now, as tricky and deceitful as are as humans, can I take that thing that God told me not to have, stick it in my back pocket, and sashay across the line going, hey, God, we're good, right? Will that work? Does that work in your marriages? Aha! Murmur across the room. No, it does not work. Why? Because God drew the line because those things no longer can go. All right? Now, when we cross the line then, if, if we're back with God, there's some great things. We get what the Bible calls assurance. This is confidence with God. This is that we're, we're in a right relationship with him. We also get uh, clarity. Or which way is that coming up? Is that coming up clarity? or Oh, it comes up opposite. Okay. If I don't, if I stay on the other side, I keep that thing in my pocket, or I try to create it across the line with me, I'm insecure, right? Because I'm now what James calls double-minded. I got one foot in the kingdom, one foot in the world, and I'm torn in two, and, and I'm messed up in my head, all right? So I'm insecure. Uh, if I stay on the right side of the line, I have clarity. If I'm on the gray side of the line there, the, I, everything becomes muddy, confusing, like, ugh, I can't see anymore. I can't hear. You ever hear people, I can't hear God. And my advice to them always is go back to the last thing he told you. What was the very last thing you remember him telling you? And go back to that and do that. And I'll bet you, you begin to hear his voice again. If I uh, am on the right side of the line, I have singleness of heart. Right? I'm, I'm devoted, we would say. I'm committed to him and his kingdom. If I'm on the wrong side, then I'm double-minded. And what James says about a double-minded person is that we're unstable in all our ways. We're, we're, right? we're tossed to and fro by the currents of our culture. If I'm on the right side of the line, I have holiness. If I'm on the wrong side of the line, I'm in carnality. Okay? Now I'm, I'm, I'm just a mess because I'm operating in the old man. Now here's the point. When God moves that line, we always think of it in terms of what I have to give up. But we forget that God is moving the line because he has things for us. Whenever God moves the line, there are always one or two targets on the other side of the line that God says, we're going to aim at that now. Let's go for this. Okay? And, And so you have to fill the void because if you give something up, You have to replace it with something, otherwise there's a vacuum there. And what scripture tells us is if there's a vacuum there, Satan will work really hard to fill that void, right? With something that's not from God. And so you have to know what he's moving you towards, not just what he's moving you away from. And so the question would be, what are the targets, all right? And so this morning... Two really good questions just out of this morning. As you looked at those lists, you look at here. What's one or two things that God has said, don't do that anymore? Stop. We're done with that. Let's let's get, that's got to go. And then what's one or two things as we head through the fall and we head towards the elections and we head towards Thanksgiving, we head towards Easter and who knows what will all happen as we head towards that. What's one or two things that Jesus says, yep, those two. Very seldom. Does God give more than two? Usually it's one. Okay, so if that's too hard, go down to one. What's one thing that he said, okay, we got to work on this. We got to work on this together. And what happens is you'll find out God keeps moving the line and you get all the way over to the obey, light, the life, repent side. You go, yes, hoo-hoo! And then God says, next level. 
what? Next what? Next, next level. You, you never said there was another level. Well, next level. Well, how many levels are there? That's not your job. That's my job. You follow me. Any of you experience that, right? Next level, right? So we have to be in sync with that and make sure that we are tracking um, with the Lord on that. Look at Romans 6, 19. It says this, For just as you once presented your members, this is your body, your mind, as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. In other words, you use your body for a different purpose. You use your body to glorify God. You use your body to walk in a manner worthy of Him, not to, in, to indulge in lustful and deceitful desires. Look at verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Some of us remember the days when we did not know Jesus and we sinned like banshees, right? And we, we didn't care what the word said. We didn't care what God said. We didn't care if there was something out there. Our culture right now does not care. We're going to do whatever we want to do. When you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But, and here's a great question. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Anybody in this room, anybody online, wish you didn't have to remember your past? And Satan's really good at bringing it up to you too, isn't he? You did that and you did that. You did that, and you did that, and you did that, and you did that. And Paul asks this brilliant question. What fruit, in other words, what was the payday? What was the benefit that you were getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free... From sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin, the payday of sin, if you're going to indulge in sin, the payday is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what the Bible says is that God comes in, gives us the deposit of the Holy Spirit, and then it's a, it's a progress with him. Okay? It's a relationship with them that we continue to grow. Very similar to marriage. Right? Very similar to marriage. Uh, we have, when you get married, you have what's called a wedding day. Right? That's a one-time act of surrender. Do you take this person? Do you take this person? Do you reject everybody else? Yes, 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 yes. Awesome. We get that day down really well. We dress up beautifully and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's the process that wipes us out. Right? Oh, you mean for 12 years, for 15 years, for 24 years, for 30? Oh my gosh, this is hard, right? But notice they're both surrender. There has to be an initial one-time surrender. That's called marriage, wedding, where you forsake all others besides the one you've agreed to marry, and then you're going to walk through life in a process together. 
very similar to what the Bible's talking about, sanctification. You come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You understand you've sinned, and you, you say to him, I need you to save me. And he comes into your life. It's called the deposit of the Holy Spirit. And then you have this process. Uh, what does that look like? Well, it kind of looks like this. When we're saved, we are positionally saved in the heavens. In other words, we are counted as righteous because when God looks at us, he now sees Jesus. Look at Ephesians 1. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, that is about salvation in Jesus, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, that means you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That sealing means it's permanent who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And that little verse in there, uh, which says, until we acquire possession of it. How do we acquire possession of eternity? Well, here's another way to look at it. Jesus comes into our heart, right? Uh, His death on the cross covered our sins. We can be saved not by what we've done, by what he's done for us. Not by who we are, but by who he is. Right? Get that distinction. It is not, you cannot earn your way into heaven. You cannot be a good enough person to get there because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need a savior. We need somebody who can do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That person is Jesus. Right? And when Jesus comes into our hearts, the Bible says we're saved. And when we're saved, God gives us the deposit of the Holy Spirit. So before that, we if you think of your life as a circle, before that, our circle is just a black circle. Okay? And there, there's no spirit in it. But then when the Holy Spirit comes in, it's kind of like in, in war. If you Remember the battles in World War II, especially in the Pacific, and they would come offshore and they would lob shores on these islands, shells on these islands. Why? They were trying to soften it up so they could send the Marines in to get a footprint, right? So the Holy Spirit's fighting to get a footprint in our hearts. And when he gets that footprint, he starts agitating. And pretty soon some light starts coming in, and pretty soon some righteousness starts coming in. And the goal of the Holy Spirit is to continually agitate and continually work. And you can see as it keeps going, that as farther and farther you go in life, you should be more conformed and look more like Jesus. It's to go from faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory. Now, is that a straight line? No, right? We've all discovered that. It's a loop-de-doo thing, and you've got to keep with the Holy Spirit to follow. That's why it's so important that you be in the Word and that you pray so that you can listen to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, What's the assignment look like this week? What's this week going to look like? But the idea there is you become more and more like Christ. Now, watch what Paul does with this. Take your Bibles in Philippians chapter 1, and we'll wrap up with this this morning. Here's what, let me read verse 27 again, and then we'll go right into 28. 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of, of the gospel of Christ, right? As we sang this morning, I sing a hallelujah. That's the whole idea behind it, right? My weapon is a melody. That's a beautiful song. It says, 
worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear you, hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's to the Philippian church. That's to us as Northview right now. That's to all the churches in the land. That's what God is trying to keep doing as he marches through history. But then look at this, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And what does it say there in verse 28? Not what? What's the word? Frightened. You know anybody frightened today? You know anybody's fear today? You know anybody with anxiety today? Lots of people. We see the enemy far more than we see God. If we are walking with God, if we are in the sanctification process, then we don't need to be frightened because we have nothing to be ashamed of. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to, of them, of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. In other words, you don't have to get rattled. God's got the end covered. He'll take care of you. He knows where he's taking you. He knows where you belong, and he'll watch you all the way through. Yeah, but what if something bad happens? Ah, Paul thought of that. Look at the next verse. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, amen, yes, but what? Also suffer for his sake. Part of the sanctification process is suffering for the sake of Jesus so that other people can see the sanctification process in you. In other words, they can see the reality. And that's true of the ancient believers. If you remember the stories in Rome, that's true of the believers in Russia. That's true of the believers in China. May that also be true of the believers in the United States. That if we go through suffering, people will see the difference because Jesus is in us. Not only that you believe in him, but suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul's writing this from where? Prison. From prison. And he was telling them, stay with it. God will work it out. He's going to work it out for me. He's going to work it out for you. And if God was doing that 2,000 years ago, then I, church, want to say to us, he's going to do it today as well. Lean in. Lean in. Let's pray. Father in heaven, very encouraging words, powerful words, powerful categories, powerful lists, rattling lists. All of us are undone by those lists. Father, we seek you this morning on whatever level you've spoken that you would Anoint it, sanctify it, the Lord, that you would um, seal it for us. If, if there's something we've got to let go of this morning, that we've got to die to, you've made that very clear, and we've been arguing with you about it. May we end that resistance right now this morning. May there be people right now in this room and online that you are nailing in your spirit and saying that, remember, we talked about that. May they come into agreement with you on that. And then, Lord, also agreement about what we need to move towards. That you would clarify that, make it crystal clear what we should move towards. To embrace the things you're moving that line towards so that we become more like you. That is all your job, Lord. That's not my job. That's not any of our jobs. Our job is to obey. May you help us do that. May you help us submit. I give that to you in your name. Amen.
Amen. Stand with us as you're able. And I just invite you to take a moment, if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, just close your eyes and take a moment with him. And then as you feel led, jump in with us in praise, all right?
Lord points something out, if he did point something out this morning on either side of that list, letting something go or moving towards, it's usually pretty important to him. Don't just let it stay here in the auditorium or at home. Take it with you this week. Work on the thing that he has asked you to work on, and you will make him very happy if you do that. All God's people said, amen. All right. You're dismissed. Thanks for this morning. And uh, thanks this morning online. And uh, again, if you can head out the back doors here, that would really help us. All right.